man, it's good to be here with y'all. And um, y'all were very, very, very special. Um, I don't know. I like to look around. I don't know what I'm looking at, but um, y'all about from there to there. Is that about right? All right. So I'm just going to make sure I look at everybody. I don't want nobody to be offended by it. But um, it's good to be here. Y'all were y'all are super special to us. I don't know if y'all remember me. I was here four years ago. Um, I came up with Brother Chris Hewitt and Brother David Ballinger. We was with Brother Ruckman when y'all were, they were still meeting here in y'all's church in January of 2019. And um, I, was, I was sweeping the floor over at um, Falls International. Brother Ballinger was mudding and Brother Hewitt was sleeping. And um, so that's our story. And, um, and so we was here that Sunday night. And um, I got, the first people I met from this church was Brother Juan, let's see, Brother Carlos, and um, the rest of the family, yeah. um, Miss Olga, and I think, um, Brother Maddie, I think he had a broke arm that day, if I'm not mistaken, January of 19. So, y'all might let me know if I'm wrong in a little bit, but, um, but uh, God called us up here. Uh, we, we came, the, the preach, Brother Hewitt's preaching revival at um, our church, Victory Baptist, and I got to meet the people. Um, that pastor had left that following March. Brother Hewitt texted me. He said, how'd you like to preach for a week? And I, I, I didn't even, not even a hesitation. I said, I'd, be, I'd love to. And I went back and I told Erin, I said, I was just going to let you know we're going to South Dakota. And um, she was like, when? I said, um, as soon as we get a chance, we're going to go up and I'm going to preach up there and um, we'll see what the Lord does. And I was like, all right, all aboard. And, um, and so we did... Um, we started doing FaceTime in September that year. That We made it cool. Um, you know, nobody else even knew about that stuff. We was doing FaceTime with them every Wednesday night, and then the um, Lord worked it out. We came up in May of 20. Um, we spent a week with them, um, preached a little mini revival with them, and then they voted us in on, the, on uh, May 31st. I joined Prayer Baptist Missions on June the 2nd. I filled up a calendar um, in two weeks for two months. We raised enough support that we could... Um, you know, during um, Trump economics, we could we could survive. So we picked up some more support since then because Bidenomics is not not compatible for missionaries. I'll just tell you that. But um, then we got up here in um, uh, May of 20, and we moved in in August, and uh, we started praying for a church building. Um, originally from North Carolina, a little small town called Norwood, about 2,500 people. Baquana is 250, Chamberlain is about 25, so I fit right in, I'm telling you, just, y'all about like my town, so I feel like I'm preaching to Paquana tonight, but, um, but we, um, we started praying for the church building, I called, um, if y'all know him, he's a nice fellow, it's Chancellor Matt from the, um, the diocese down here, and I told him I wanted the building, and um, he said that um, I need to talk to the, um, I can't say it, y'all forgive me, it's the priest guy, and um, so I called him in Campbell, and um, he wanted. He, and I, I told him, I'm, I'm, I'm like too open. I said, "Man, going over there praying." He said, "What does your prayers consist of?" I said, "I'm asking God to give me the building." I mean, ain't no point beating around the bush. If you're hungry, tell somebody you want something to eat. And, and so I told him I was praying to get the building, and uh, he said, "Call me in a month." So I did, and I, I went down there. I wanted to put his eyes on me. I wanted to see who I was, and uh, so highly offended. Um, he called me a Jehovah's Witness twice. He said, you'll never get that building. And um, I was kind of heartbroken, but, you know, God never gave me peace that I couldn't have it. He just gave me peace that we would get it. And um, so he said, don't go back and pray. So we went back over there that night, probably or a couple of nights later when it was dark and we sat outside and we prayed. And me and my wife, the snow on the ground, we still prayed. 
And, um, and then um, a lawyer called me. I weren't in trouble, but he called me in um, uh, November of um, 20. I don't know where we at. 21. Yeah, November 21 said, you want the building? I said, I sure do. And he said, um, just come and look at it. And so we looked at it and we made them an offer of 8500 They accepted it and they paid 40000 to get their windows out. And um, so we moved in in May of last year. We got approved for over Jira in January of 50000 um, We've already got their, um, which I, I know those, those of you who've been here in September, y'all know we took their um, confessional room and we put it to a bathroom. Um, we're going we're gonna to fix our basement up. We're going to put a fellowship hall down there. Um, we're going to put a prophet's chamber because preachers go from here to Rapid or Wyoming. There, there's nowhere for them to stay at. Yeah. And um, So we're just going to try to be a blessing. And, um, and so we're going to add a classroom space, get our kitchen fixed. Um, we've got to do some painting, some sheetrock work, um, carpet. Um, you name it, we're going to be doing it. And um, God's providing um, every bit of it. Just, other, just the preacher is going to be working on it, Brother Fiedler. I need to get in touch with the preacher. He's wanting some information about meeting. But he's, he's wanting to come, and, uh, or he's going to come, and he's, he's already got people giving him stuff to help us with our building. And um, so not just the funds, but we've got um, Brother Benji. He's going to come and help us out. Y'all know Brother Benji Bowden. He's going to come and help us. Uh, we've got a group from Ascending Church. They're going to try to come over and um, so they're going to try to come up, spend a week and help out. Um, another family's going to come, park a camper, help out. Our town's super to us. They, they said you can't park a camper longer than um, seven or ten days, but they, I said they're going to be here three weeks. They said, don't worry about it. Don't worry. About it. That's just what God does. Yeah. And uh, if you just walk with God and you trust God, you'll be amazed at what God does. If you try to do it on yourself, I'm going to tell you, you're going to plunge face first somewheres and um, you're going to take a, take a face dive into some ice or something. So don't do that. You just walk with God and you trust God. And uh, but it's good to be here. Erin, she drives me. That's my Erin. And um, um, I, I, was, I was her first and last blind date. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. So, but... She asked me today on the way down, she said, can we stop at Mitchell at that coffee place? I said, look, you, you drive me everywhere. I told, you, I told you when we got up here, if you want something, all you got to do is just tell me. I'm, I'll be glad to do this stuff for you. And uh, so we're going to stop and get her some coffee on the way back tomorrow. And um, I, I might grab me something. I ain't coffee, but I'm going to grab me something. And, um, but she's, she's so special. And, um, you know, in the ministry with me and... Um, you know, if I need to go somewhere as we go, we had two deaths last year. Um, you know, just, you know, God's really blessed. With five of us voted to buy the building. We had eight, uh, 13 there this morning with six out. And, um, you know, just um, the last several weeks we have, we've had visitors every week um, since Easter. It's just like somebody's new been coming in. And um, it's just God's been good to us. God's really been good to us. But again, it's good to be here. I love you, preacher. First time I met him um, in person, he said, hi, I'm Jason. This is my wife, Erin. I said, hi, I'm Steve. This is my wife, Erin. And um, so it's just, it's a good time. It's yeah. a good time. I love you, preacher. I really do. You got to, you have a jewel. You take care of them. And um, you ladies, you know what I'm talking about. You, your precious jewels, you, you, you guard them. That's why as a church, you do to your pastor, you guard him. And um, you make sure that um, he, he's, he's a valuable, I'm telling you, valuable person that God has placed here. And uh, you love him, you take care of him, and, um, and um, he, he did not ask me to say that, I promise. So John chapter 13, we're, we're going to pray and then we'll, we'll get into the message tonight. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. Lord, you sure have been good to us. Lord, you've been faithful to us. 
Lord, and I pray, God, that you help us tonight. Lord, I pray, Lord, as, um, Lord, as the message is being preached, Lord, I pray that, Lord, just, uh, uh, Lord, I'm not being watched, Lord, but just your word would just go out and pierce hearts tonight, Lord. Um, Lord, I sure do need you. Lord, you know, my family needs you, Lord. Um, we need you, Lord, just as a, a, a church body. Pray, God, that you, you have your will and your way tonight, Lord. Um, every heart is here, Lord. I know there's something, Lord, that, that we all have a need of, Lord, and I pray that you speak to us. Lord, those that's carrying heavy burdens, I pray that you lighten them. Lord, those that's running from you, Lord, I pray that they turn and run back. Lord, those that's um, maybe somewhere here is lost, Lord, I pray that they give the life to you. Lord, those that's just struggling with some things, Lord, I pray they get those things right tonight. Lord, I do trust you and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 John 4, 13. Uh, where we're at in our scripture is the upper room, um, a very, um, very, very special time. Uh, I, I, wanna, I got a lot of things I want to try to get across from my heart tonight. Let me, I'm going to start out with this. Anytime God will get you and him alone, you're in a very special time. Yeah, yeah. And that's what he does with the disciples here. He takes his, his last night ministry. If I had a title, I'd call this. Um, the life's lessons from Christ, Christ last night because this is his last earthly night for his ministry wise he's going to be crucified the next day uh, he sends his disciples into town he gives them some clues to, he tells them things to look for when you know to find the upper room he doesn't tell them the exact location I believe that was because of Judas and and so where we're at in our scripture is that he has just basically he has removed Judas now um, he has told Judas, he said, you, you go quickly and you do what you've got to do, which is going to be betray our Lord. And, and then, then these, these scriptures start. So I'm, I'm going to kind of give you some thoughts real quick before we get a message. Uh, anytime God removes somebody from your life, don't, don't be broken hard over that. Uh, there might be people that God needs to get out so he can put some things in. And that's what he does to the disciples here. He removes Judas, which is the betrayer, which is one that's not real. So he can have the real crowd there so he can actually instill the real true values into them. So it won't be wasted. It won't be falling on deaf ears because that's, that's what would happen with Judas there. So he's, he's a, um, I guess you can say he's a, he's a phony so he removes Judas. So now it's just him and his disciples. And, and again, when God gets you by yourself and he gets you personally along with him, you're in a good place. Don't, don't ever fret about that. Don't ever get discouraged about that. If you're like me, I, I can't stand to be by myself. I really don't like it. I, I've got a week coming up in um, June. Erin's going to go back and she's going to see our grandbaby for her first Christmas. Her first birthday. So I'm kind of, I'm already planning. All right, Lord, what, I don't know what you're going to be doing to my heart that week, but it's going to be something serious because me and him is going to be alone for a week. Yeah. And so when, when God puts you alone and he gets people out of your life, count that a blessing. Because he is fixing to instill some deep truths into your life. And that's what he does here with the disciples. So you get into verse 31 and 32. It's very interesting. He says, now is the son of man glorified. And that really, that really spoke to my heart that, that Jesus is looking at his disciples. And it, as he just removed Judas, he's saying, now is the son of man glorified. And I got pondering on that a little bit. And I got thinking about when he was baptized. And as Jesus spoke from heaven and as the dove descended and, and the voice spoke and 
And you heard that, that this is my son who I'm well pleased in. I believe Jesus could have easily have said, now is the son of man glorified, but he didn't say that. I got thinking about the Mount Transfiguration when, again, the voice spoke, and this is my son who I'm well pleased in. I believe that Jesus could have easily said, now is the son of man glorified. He didn't say that. I want you to think about something. He is fixing to be falsely accused. He is fixing to be spit upon. He is fixing what a mockery, and basically our society is the day of court system, what a mockery that they're fixing to do to our Lord. The, the accusations that they're going to make upon him, that he is fixing to be pierced, he is fixing to be crucified, he is fixing to be beat. The, 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 you know, as the Son of God is at Calvary, God is going to turn his back, it's going to go, you know, go cold, it's going to go dark, and he's saying, now is the Son of Man glorified. And what he is speaking of is that being crucified. And the lesson that we can learn from this is the way that you and I can, can glorify God is by a crucified life. It is not being noticed. It's not having attention given unto us. It's not by being in a pulpit or it's not by teaching a Sunday school class. It's not singing. It's not any of those things. It's being, having a crucified life. It's you giving yourself to Christ so you can't be noticed. You can't be seen. You do what he asks you to do. Go where he tells you to go. Same as Jesus. Now is the son of man glorified. How is he going to be glorified in my life? How is he going to be glorified in your life? Only when you live that crucified life that Paul spoke of in Galatians 2.20. For I am crucified with Christ. You know, why, why are you here tonight? Why do you do what you do? Why do you go to where you go? If God said, I want you to go to your neighbor and, and he asked you to do something kind of crazy, are you willing to say, God, I don't have a life, I don't have a choice, I don't have a decision. If you say, this is what I want you to do, if you, this is what you want out of my life, I'm willing to go do that. What's interesting, if you go into John 14, verse, um, I believe it's in verse 31, and he's, again, he's fixing to go to Calvary. He said, I want the whole world to know that I love the Father. I'll tell you that, what he's speaking of again is him being crucified. He wants everybody to see that he is fixing to give his life and he wants everybody to know, this. he wants the whole world to know, I love the Father. I'm willing, to, I'm willing to be crucified and I want everybody to know, I love the Father. I'll tell you, do, do, they, do they know you love the Lord tonight? I mean, is, is your life an example of a crucified life? Or is it something that, that you're in control of everything? Yeah. I, I've learned I learned the hard way. I got to let go of some things. Yeah. Went to Honduras several years ago, and and um, I, I went without my wife, without my kids, and I went with a young man in the boys' school that was as clumsy as day is, and, and it, was, it was what a nightmare. I was walking with him one day and was walking around the fellowship hall, and he disappeared, and he was on the floor, and I'm thinking, I'm gonna die in Honduras. <laughs> But you know what God had to do in my heart? He had to teach some valuable lessons to me that I no longer live. That I'm, I'm, I'm willing to just give my life for the cause of Christ. I'm willing, if he says, I want you in, in Honduras, I'm, I, want you, I want you in Honduras. If he wants me in South Dakota, I'm in South Dakota. 
If he says, I want you to die in South Dakota, guess what? I'm going to die in South Dakota. I remember before we ever come up here, I was in the altar. It was over um, on this side at our sending church. And I, I, was, I was just struggling with some things. I was asking, Lord, where do you want me? And I, I told him that day, I said, Lord, if you want me to stay right here and teach this class the rest of my life, I'm willing to do it. I, I go wherever. If you don't want me to go nowhere, if you want me to stay here, you want me to teach this until I'm old and I die, Lord, I'm, re- I'm willing to do that. I'm telling you, you've got to be crucified. You can't, you can't live for you. You can't, you can't live it up. You got to give it to God. It's not your life anyway. If you gave yourself to God, you're to deny yourself. It means you're to disown yourself. How many of y'all ever sold a vehicle? Or bought one? I mean, how about this? How, about, how many of y'all ever bought one? How'd you like the former owner to come back and tell you what to do with it? That's what we do to God. He purchased us at Calvary, but yet we tell him what to do with our lives like it's ours in the beginning. It's not. He purchased me. He purchased you. And I belong to him. And if you're saved, you belong to him. And if he says, this is what I want, listen to me, he's the owner. He's the owner of my life. I'm crucified. I have, I have no life. Why don't you look down at verse 33 for me. This would be the confused life. And I love this one. This is probably one of my favorite ones here. All, all the disciples knew was to walk by sight. Now, just think about this. When did they ever walk without the Lord? I, I know they had to get to the upper room without him. And then when he told them to go across the sea and I, you know, I'm going to meet you on the other side. And he went to go pray and they got in that storm. What were they doing? They was crying, pitching a fit. You know, somebody's got to help us. And the Lord had to walk out on the water and come over there and help them. They had never really walked by faith. They had only always just, basically their life was just walking by sight. And so everything that Jesus is saying is so confusing unto them that I'm, I'm going to leave you. I'm going, to, I'm going to go. But when you get into chapter 14, he says, but you're going to do greater things than you already done. But he's speaking that he's going to leave the Holy Spirit with them. And they didn't understand that. You and I, we, we know that. But you get on the other side of Calvary, they didn't know that. Let me give you a couple examples. I, I walk over to the church where we're at. We're about a half a block just north of it. I know everybody up here is north, south, east, and west. You don't go left and right here. I, only, I, I got, we got turned around a little bit. But when I walk with Aaron over there, everything is fine. Listen to me. As the disciples, when they walked with Jesus, everything was fine. I mean, there was Jesus. If, if, when they got up in the morning and they saw Jesus start to walk, then they walked with him. If they saw him stop, then they stopped. If they was hungry, he fed them. If there anything that they saw other people need, they saw him accomplish that and do that by all these great miracles. And, and, and when I walk with Aaron over there and I'm holding her hand or I got my, my arm on her shoulder or something, everything is fine to go over there. I mean, I don't have to worry about anything. I don't have to know where the road is. I don't have to know where the ramp is. And we get to the church, but when she's at work and I walk by myself, it's different. Yeah, I don't tell nobody. I can get over there during the summertime by myself. I just can't do it with snow on the ground. I can't get home. I can't tell where to turn into my yard. And so what I have to do is I have to pull out my iPhone and I, I FaceTime her. And I'm holding my phone here. Listen, I can't, I can't see where I'm going. I'm not walking by sight. I'm walking by faith. And I'm not walking with her. She is guiding me. 
and she is speaking to me. Just the same as you and I, we have the Holy Spirit, we have the Bible, we have preaching. That's the same way I get over to the church and, and she'll tell me, she's all right, you, you're right at the alley, now I want you to go right. And I'm getting over there, she says, you're almost to the road, angle to your left and we angle across and, and I get on the grass or, you know, if there's snow, I mean, you know what I'm saying, this winter is a beautiful winter. But we got over there and, and she's all right, you're at the ramp, go, go a little bit to your left, go a little bit to your left. Okay, you're on the ramp now, you got it. And I say, I'm fine now. I do that on the way back. That's how you walk by faith. And see, the disciples, they, they could not understand that because they had always walked with Jesus. And see, you and I, we're not in that, that time frame that, that we see him here earthly, but we, we walk by the, basically the, by the word of God, by the leadership of the Holy Spirit. In, in John 14, 27, he said, peace I leave unto thee and peace I give. It's that, that he gives you peace in those decision-making things that you've got in your life. If you're trying to make a decision and you don't know which way to go, you don't, you don't have somebody that you can verbally just visually put your eyes upon and, and say, okay, I'm going to follow you. No, you don't do that. You, you have to trust the Lord by faith, not by sight. And the disciples, they're so confused at this. I, I went deer hunting this past fall. I hope it's all right to share this. I'm, call me prideful. That's all right. When you, it, it, he was 250 pounds, 11, five by six up and three on the sides. I'm going to tell you, if you're any man that shoots a deer that size, you ought to say something. That's yeah. my, and, and I shot that thing. I'm talking about the real gun. I mean, I, I heard the bullet hit it. I mean, it, that, with a suppressor. I hope it's all right to share. I mean, it had a suppressor and pop and thump. And I mean, it took, I mean you took my great feeling right there as a guy. And people ask me, how did you shoot it? And I said, well, it definitely was, was not by sight. Yeah, yeah. Don't you know that? It's not by sight. Let me ask you something. How do you have what you have spiritually? It's not by sight. How do you have this church? It's not by sight. I'll tell you, if you got to see it to believe it, you'll never see it. And what I did, we had this, it was, it was um, it's in one of those box stands. I mean, I weren't way up in 50 foot in the air. I wouldn't do that. I'm, I'm sorry. I climbed up by our bell tower, but I'm done with that stuff. I mean, low, I'm with you. I'll be in a jet, but I am not, I'm not doing it. And so, but it was in this box stand and we, I was sitting in a chair that swiveled left and right. And uh, the guy that took me, he took little kids hunting. And so he had this little brace that come out and it held a gun in front of me. And so they would adjust it back to my shoulder, a little bit forward so I can lean forward, lean back. And they had me sighted for about 200 yards away. And so we practiced a little bit. And what he'll do is say, I want you to go two inches down, so I'd shoulder up and press the gun down just a smidgen. He said, I want you to go two inches to the right, so I'd use my feet and I'd spin the chair a little bit. Listen to me, when God says, I want you to go, you go. And then he said, I want you to pressure to pressure up. And that just means you just put enough pressure, it barely moves your crosshairs. And he'd say, now, and I'd pull the trigger. When God says, stop, then guess what you do? Yep. If God says, I want you to go to your neighbor, what do you do? Yes, if God says, I want you to be at church Wednesday night, what do you do? If God says, I want you to go to that, that men's meeting next year, then what do you do? It's not confusing. You just, you just do what God asks you to do and you walk by faith, not by sight, and you're trusting the Lord. And I'm telling you, you're going to see, you're going to have, you're going to accomplish things. God's going to do things through your life that you never thought could ever be done. I mean, who would ever think that a blind man can shoot a 250 pound deer 260 yards away? 
It just ain't, it just ain't going, it just ain't the norm. I'll tell you, God calling us to South Dakota. I can't see. Aaron's a type 1 diabetic, and I'm thinking, Lord, are you, you really sure about this? I'll tell you, when God, when God says, this is what I want you to do. Listen, man, I'll be honest. I'd never have shot that deer if I didn't listen. I'd never get to the church if I couldn't listen. I'd never get home if I couldn't listen. You'd never, you'll never be able to do what God wants you to do if you do not listen and obey. You, if you're trying to walk by sight, you, understand me, you, you don't understand faith tonight. It's when you obey God in his word and you obey God through the preaching and the leadership of the Holy Spirit. And I'm telling you, you're walking by faith there. You're not living confused. Verse 34 and 35, I got to hurry. This will be the compassionate life. Remember, Jesus is instilling these values into his disciples. He's preparing them for when he leaves. He's trying to help them so the ministry, the ministry is going to continue. Everything that he had been doing, he's telling me, you're going to be able to do it and you're going to be able to do even better things. And so how's he going to, how's he, how's he going to be able to do these things? This is these, these truths that he's in, instilling into them. The compassionate life. And I'm, I'm just going to mention, I'm going, that how, how, how's this world going to know that, that we belong to him? I mean, how, how they, you, do you know what separates us from everybody else? Listen to me, it's not that we all get along because we all don't get along. I want you to know that. We do not all get along. But listen to me, I, I, I love you. If you need me, you call me. We got to say in our church, if it, you need me, you call me. But if it's 2 o'clock in the morning, you call Miss Mary Pat. No, no but I'm, listen to me, our church, they, they know. If they need me at 3 o'clock in the morning, they call me. I, I can't go into a lot of details, but we, one, one Thursday night, our revival ended on Wednesday in August. On Thursday, we got a, um, got a phone call, and my brother's missing. And I was like, do you need us? I don't know yet. And about 15, 20 minutes later, please come. This was probably about 1030 at night. We, we, we jumped up. We got in the vehicle. We left. And we sat with that family till probably 2 o'clock in the morning, and they, they found him that next Sunday and drowned. I'll tell you, we, we was there the next day and probably till 2 o'clock in the morning. A few days later, the mom, she had an aneurysm. She was down here in Sioux Falls. We was out here till probably 1 o'clock in the morning, driving back two hours at night. I'll tell you, 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 can't, you can't just tell somebody you love them. You, you, your life, listen to me, your life's got to show it. The, the things that you do, I'll tell you, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't have a lot of confidence in somebody if they tell me they love me, but yet, yet they never show me that. We love in deed, not just in word. I'll tell you, Christ, I mean, we don't have a savior like that. Yeah. He, he doesn't just give us our, 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 our needs. He's beyond that. He gives you things that you want. He gives you things that you desire and he's good to you. He's a merciful God. He is a gracious God. And that's how he shows his, he shows his love toward us. And that's, I mean, that's how we show love to people. Are you, are you that merciful to people or are you one of those that you beat somebody up because of a little small miss up? Yeah. I mean, we, got, we got to be merciful to each other. Yeah. Amen. I mean, honestly, I have been, I'm, I probably should, I've been chewed out. And, and, and I've learned one thing. It's hard to chew somebody out when you smile at them. And it's hard for them to chew you out when you just keep smiling at them like a briar eating, you know, like a porcupine eating briars or something. Just smile at them. I've learned, I've learned, I told my pastor this the other day, I've learned to smile when I want to spit. But I'll tell you, if you spit, you don't love them. You, you got to, I'm telling you, it's, it's just loving people. 
And that's what Jesus wants them to understand because you got to realize the Jews, what they've been doing is this, this religion that they was practicing, the Pharisees, they looked down upon people. They didn't love people. And I'll tell you, the practice of religion doesn't really love much. I mean, if you really the practice of religion is that we're just good to the orphans and good to the widows. But this that you see in our day and hour, they, they ain't got nothing to do with orphans and widows. It's about that you, you do formalities and you do things like that. That's not love. I'll tell you, do you, do you love people? I'll show you the last one, though. This, this, I like this one. It's, it's the committed life. And of all people, I, I, fit, I fit so much in here, Peter. I wish I could fit after somebody else. I wish I'd, I wish I, I wish I was like Stephen of the Bible, but I'm like Steve Aldridge of on this earth. I mean, I, just, I wish I was maybe like John, but you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not. And um, so Peter, man, he talks big. I don't know if anybody else in here is like that. Do y'all ever, anybody else in here talk real big? And Peter, Peter, he spoke up. He said, "I'll die for you. I give my life for you." And Jesus said, Peter, I, I want to think he chuckled. I, I don't, it ain't in there, but I can't help but think he chuckled a little yeah. bit. Peter, are you really that serious? You're not, going to, you, you're not going to die for me. You're going to deny me. I, I was in Idaho several years ago um, up in the panhandle, and I was with my pastor, his preaching revival. And I, I got talking big. You know, I, I know I'm the only person here that does that, so I, that's, that's all right. And I remember I told my pastor, I said, you know, if it, if it wasn't for God, I was talking really big. I done been married five times. And he said, brother, don't fool yourself. Nobody else would want you but Aaron. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, mean I, I get annoyed by this. People talk so big on Facebook and they don't even go to church no more. They, they talk big on Facebook and they ain't at church on Wednesday night. They don't, I, I don't do Twitter. I just, I don't, I don't do any of that. I probably shouldn't even do Facebook, but they, they do those things. And they talk so big spiritually. You know what Peter's problem was? He was not committed to God. It, he, he was partly, he was half in, half out, you know, uh, one, one foot on one side, one foot on the other side. And, and what Jesus needed from his disciples was either all in or all out. He didn't, he didn't need you here today and gone tomorrow and, and, and wonder if you're going to come back the next week. That's not, what, that's not what he needed from his disciples. That's not what he gave himself to them and that's not what he was asking of them. What he was asking of them is what he was the example of and that is to give yourself 100%, be committed to God. That's tomorrow, that is today, that is next week, that is when it is good, that is when it is bad, that is when it is easy, that is when it is hard, is when you've got money when you don't have money and when everything comes apart when everything is together it doesn't matter everybody can count on you everybody can depend on you you I, I remember I remember one time we we um something happened to Aaron's sugar and her pump and we had to run back to the house and and, and when we turned around we got down there and it, we, we didn't I didn't even notice what time it was and church had already started and I was like we can't get back it was like an hour away and, and somebody came in that day and they said, Where, where's, where's the altars? And he said, oh, they're right over and they ain't there. And I, I couldn't get, I, could, I didn't have a chance to call them. But listen to me, he knew where we were. He knew where we would sit. And he could count on 100% that we was there. But that one day we wasn't there and it caught him way off guard. 
I'd hate to think that if somebody walked up, where's Brother Aldridge? I, they might not be here tonight. I, you know, with it, they, they, they're here a lot of times on, you know, they're here every Sunday morning, but sometimes I don't see them Sunday night. That, that's not committed. And that's what Jesus is trying to get his disciples, especially if, we, if you relate to Peter, I'm telling you, he's relating to you tonight. You've got to be committed. You've got to be committed. You, if, if, listen to me, I'm going to say something. If your lips is louder than your life, you're wrong. You are, you are wrong. Now, I'm saying it for me personally. I can't, I, can't, I can't speak louder than I live. You don't, listen to me, you don't have to say nothing. You don't have to tell nobody you love God. You don't have to tell nobody you love this church. All you got to do is just show up faithfully, give, and, and live the way God wants you to do. And I'm going to tell you, everybody, everybody will know. Jesus didn't, that I can find, somebody might have to correct me, that I can find when Jesus said, speaking of loving the Father in John 14, 31, I think that's the first time, I, preacher, I can find it. He said that, uh, speaking of loving the Father, he, he speaks of committing himself to the Lord and him and his, you know, as what you see me do, that's what he does. And what I say, that's what he says. But when he speaks of love, that's really the first time that I can find. But let me see, you, you can't look at his life and, and not know it. You look at his life and I'm telling you, you know it. When they look at your life, are you crucified? When, when they look at your life, is it confused? You don't know what the difference between faith and sight is, or do you walk by faith? When they look at your life, are you, is it a compassionate life that they see? And when they look, is it, is it committed? Is it committed? We're going to pray, and we're going to give an invitation. So let's, let's pray real quick.